0: and Kremel Shampoo present the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Well, once again, it's time to keep that weekly date with our old friend and genial host, Dr. Watson. I'm sure he's expecting us, so let's join him, shall we? Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr.
1: Bell. As you can see, I'm quite ready for you. Crackling fire in the grate, some port in the decanter over there, and although I've smoke a pipe myself, I think you'll find those cigars rather special.
0: All the fixings for a session of storytelling, eh, Dr. Watson? Well, which particular Sherlock Holmes adventure have you selected for tonight?
1: A story that I call the strange case of the persecuted millionaire. Hmm, sounds promising. In some respects, my boy, I think it was one of the one of the oddest adventures we ever had. The case in which Sherlock Holmes narrowly prevented a shocking tragedy, and yet, at the conclusion of the affair, he appeared in a most unusual role, the role of a rather lean and elderly Cupid.
0: This I've got to hear. But before you begin, Dr. Watson, do you mind if I... Uh... Have
1: a word with our listeners? Of course not, Mr. Bell, of course not.
0: Men, neat-looking, well-groomed hair does so much to give a man that air of success, to say nothing of adding to his good looks. And I'm sure you'll be interested in hearing more about this modern trend in hair grooming, which has become such a nationwide favorite. It's called Cremel Hair Tonic. This highly specialized hair tonic contains a combination of hair grooming ingredients, which is found in no other hair tonic. Yes, that's exactly why Cremel gives a man's hair such a natural, well-groomed look and keeps it in place longer, keeps every lock in perfect order from morning till night. Yet Cremel never gives hair that cheap, greasy, patent leather look. Cremel keeps hair looking mighty handsome with a rich, healthy-looking luster. Yet it always feels and looks so clean on your hair and scalp. Men, if you aren't already using a hair tonic, try Kremel. If you're using some other hair dressing, change to Cremel. Just see if your hair doesn't look much better than it ever did before. Better groomed, better looking. K-R-E-M-L, Kremel Hair Tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, I want to hear about the strange case of the persecuted millionaire.
1: Well, Mr. Bell, that adventure began in Baker Street on a gray November day at the turn of the century. Sherlock Holmes and I had just finished our lunch, I remember, and were sitting each side of a blazing fire just like you and I are tonight. The great man, his feet thrust out before him, was lying back in his chair, his long, thin hands locked behind his head and a curved pipe jutting out the corner of his mouth was emitting great clouds of grey-blue smoke. After a few moments, I noticed that he was gazing at my boots with very marked attention. But why Turkish, Watson? The boots are English. I got them at Latimer's in Oxford Street. And not the boots, the bath. Why the relaxing and expensive Turkish bath rather than the invigorating homemade article? Oh, well, because for the last few days, I've been having some nasty twinges of rheumatism. By the way, I'm sure the connection between my boots and the Turkish bath is perfectly obvious to you, Holmes, but uh, I'm completely mystified. You're in the habit of doing up your boots in a certain way. I observe that on this occasion they are tied in a double bow. You have, therefore, had them off. Who has retied them? A bootmaker or the boy at the Turkish bath? But your boots are nearly new. Then what remains? The bath. Absurdly simple, isn't it? <laughs> when you explain it... Come in. Yes, Mrs. Hudson. It's a note for you, Mr. Holmes.
2: A messenger boy just brought it.
1: Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Who's it from, Holmes? Huh? I swear that only reigning royalty can be as presumptuous as an American businessman. Read it for yourself. I shall be at your lodgings at two tomorrow. Be there. it's signed, John V. Harden. Be there. Huh. Sounds an extremely arrogant fellow. What makes you think that he's an American? The use of the initial for the middle name is peculiar to that country. Oh. I Joe, it's, it's nearly two o'clock now, Holmes. Yes. Let's see what we can find out about the gentleman. Where's that encyclopedia of American biography? Ah, here it is. H-H-A. Hanley. Hanson. Harden. Here's our man, Watson. John Vincent Harden. What does it say about him? Born in Chicago. Forty-five years old. Unmarried. Chiefly noted for his tremendous tobacco interests and his addiction to fishing. It's an odd combination. And this is odder. He made his professional debut as a violinist 30 years ago. A millionaire musician. Ah, that must be him now. Yes, there's a most impressive broom and fair outside. Then, since my client is a violinist, I think I'll welcome him appropriately. Hand me my instrument, will you, old chap? Here uh, I, Holmes? Funny way to start a business interview, I must say. <laughs> uh, Mr. Harden sounds like an aggressive man. And uh, music hath charms to soothe. Come in.
2: Mr. Harden, to see you, sir.
1: Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Come in, Mr. Harden. I'm Sherlock Holmes, and this is my friend and colleague,
3: Dr. Watson. How do you do, sir? How do you do? If we're to do business, Mr. Holmes, for heaven's sake, put that violin away. I heard you scraping away as I came up the stairs.
1: (laughs) So you... you don't care for my friend's playing,
3: sir? I don't care for anyone's playing. I loathe the fiddle. Curious. I was under the impression... Listen, Mr. Holmes, I haven't come here to discuss your musical impressions. I've come here to talk about my personal safety. And my sanity. Then pray talk about it, Mr. Harden. I'm being persecuted. Somebody's trying to drive me crazy.
1: Really? Just what form does this persecution take, Mr. Harden?
3: It began about a month ago. My horse ran away in rotten row and threw me. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe not. I've heard of burrs under saddles. And then, last night... Something else happened? Someone destroyed Methuselah. Methuselah?
1: An old retainer of yours, Mr. Harden? Or a pet?
3: No. Methuselah was the finest, largest, oldest tarpon ever caught. A
1: stuffed fish? You are Sherlock Holmes? Quiet, Watson. uh,
3: I'm uh, sure that a great deal more lies behind this. Please continue, Mr. Harden. Everything was going fine, Mr. Holmes, until these persecutions started. Early this year, I bought a fine old house in Cavendish Place. I'm engaged to be married to Alicia Edwards, uh, the Honorable Alicia Edwards... She's Lord Brentwood's daughter. My life was perfect until I began to get these notes. What sort of notes, Mr. Harden? They kept turning up in odd places. My coat pockets, under my pillows at night. I found them on the upholstery of my carriage. You brought these notes with you? Of course. Hmm.
1: All in the same handwriting. And all the messages seem to have the same theme. Oh, what do they say, Holmes? The first one says... You thought he had no one to avenge him, didn't you? And this one says, you murdered him, you will pay for it. And this is curious. It will have blood. They say blood will have blood. That quotation is from Macbeth. Oh, then that means the note was written by an Englishman. Not necessarily, Watson. It's possible that they've heard of Shakespeare in America, you know. Oh, yes, I suppose it might have. Mr. Harden, all these messages threaten your death. Can you think of anyone who might wish to kill you?
3: No, I can't. I've never hurt anyone, much less killed a person. The notes don't make any sense. Do you recognize the handwriting? I've never seen it before in my life. You mentioned that your prized Tarpon was mutilated. What members of your household
1: might have had the opportunity of performing that uh, act of vandalism?
3: Mm, three people. My secretary, Margaret Bates. Stephen, my brother. And my fiance. They were all at the house last night.
1: There seems to be a clear pattern to this case, Mr. Harden. I suggest that you return to your home and obtain for me samples of the handwriting of the three people you've mentioned. When I've examined those, I shall be in a better position to advise you in this matter. <laughs> Spent three hours with a magnifying glass and those samples of handwriting that Mr. Harden brought back. Have you found the clue? Nothing positive, Watson. It's quite curious. The handwriting of the threatening note seems to be that of a male with an American education. Oh, why do you say that? Observe this note. Who dies unavenged can never sleep with honor. You'll notice that honor is spelt without a U. That's the American way. Then that means that his fiancée didn't write him. She might have deliberately spelt it that way to remove suspicion from herself. No, I'm afraid these samples prove nothing. Then we're no nearer finding out who's responsible. Well, at least we've ruled out an obvious possibility. Come in. Yes, Mr. Hudson. It's a telegram, Mr. Holmes. Thank you.
3: Yes,
1: sir. Better get your coat and hat, Watson. It's from Mr. Harden? Yes. He says, a worse blow has fallen. Come at once.
2: I'm Margaret Bates, Mr. Hardin's secretary. How do, you do? How do you do?
1: What happened, Miss Bates? We left as soon as we received his wire.
2: I don't know what happened, Mr. Holmes, but I'm terribly worried. He rushed out here, dictated that telegram, and then went back and locked himself in the study. He says he'll see no one but you. Hello, Margaret. Oh, Stephen, you startled startling. What's
4: the matter? Do you think I was listening at the keyhole? Oh, introduce me to our visitors, won't you?
2: This is Stephen, Mr. Hardin's brother. Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. How do you do?
4: Sherlock Holmes and his friend, huh? I've heard about you. Don't tell me Brother John has fallen foul of the law.
1: No, sir. He needs its protection, I fear. (laughs) Don't be too sure.
4: I'm thinking of taking him to court myself on a charge of woman stealing.
1: Your brother a kidnapper? Great.
4: Cotton. No, no, Dr. Watson. It's perfectly legal. It's just that I saw Alicia Edwards first, but then, of course... I don't control the hardened millions.
2: Let's go to the study, shall we, Mr. Holmes? An excellent idea.
4: Perhaps we'll see you later, sir. Perhaps. And don't take John too seriously. Oh,
2: he's hateful. Always making fun of John, uh, his brother. And yet Stephen's never done a day's work in his life. This is the door to the study.
3: Who right.
2: is Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson are here. Of
3: course sir. Come in. Thank you, Margaret.
2: I'll see you, gentlemen,
1: later.
3: What form did the new attack take, Mr. Harden? This time it's theft. My safe was rifled last night. What was there, An extremely valuable document. It was the key to my agreement with the British Tobacco Trust. The loss of the paper represent a million dollars to me. But that isn't what upsets me most. Money I can afford to lose, but my sanity is more valuable. In the safe, I found another note, Holmes. May I see it, please? Here. Hmm.
1: The coffin is made, the funeral parlor is ready, the time is ripe. The croaking raven doth bellow for revenge. Good Lord, what a frightening message. And once again observe the odd combination of Shakespeare and American idiom. Funeral
3: parlor is what we refer to as an undertaker's. And the croaking raven comes from Hamlet. Holmes, I'm not a weak man, but I'm frightened. You've got to protect me.
1: I shall do my best, Mr. Harden. Who was here last night?
3: My secretary, Margaret Bates. My fiancée. She went back to London this morning. I uh, met your brother, Stephen, just now. I noticed that he was carrying a release.
1: Was he leaving the house or returning to it? Returning. He went out of town last night. Oh, then that rules him out. Not until we investigate his alibi, Watson. Mr. Harden... I'm a constant and thorough reader of the Times. The engagement of a peer's daughter to a prominent American would be striking news. And
3: uh, yet I've read nothing about it. We're announcing it formally tomorrow. I'm giving a party at Claridge's to celebrate the event. Then I think it would be a wise precaution if Dr. Watson and I attended that party. I was about to suggest the same thing, Holmes. I need to have men about me I can trust. I think this is a deliberate plot to drive me mad. Holmes, Dr. Watson, I want you to meet my fiancée, Miss Alicia Edwards. Alicia, my dear.
2: Yes, John?
3: I want to introduce Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. How do you do? do do?
1: May I congratulate you on your engagement? Yes, indeed. Indeed. A union between the old world and the new is an encouraging sign of the times.
2: I wish you could convince Papa that, Mr. Holmes. Whenever he needs John, he always behaves as if he expected him to be wearing feathers and carrying a scalping knife.
3: (laughs) Feathers and a knife, that's very funny. I don't find it so.
1: Excuse
3: me. I want to talk to the
2: office. Dear me, now I've upset John again. He's ridiculously sensitive. Americans are really rather touchy.
1: And yet you're going to marry one?
2: Papa's estates states have eaten up a lot of money. And that's a commodity with which John seems well endowed. I think you understand me, Mr. Holmes.
1: I'm sure I do. Personally, I may say that I'm always glad to meet an American. I'm one of those who believes that the folly of a monarch and the blundering of a minister in far gone years should not now stand between two nations... Mr.
2: Holmes, I find you pompous and dull. Goodbye.
1: On oh my soul, what an unpleasant, heartless young woman. She's obviously marrying Harden for his money. Obviously. Though I don't think she has an aversion to uh, all Americans. Oh? Why do you say that? She has been dancing with Mr. Harden's brother, Stephen, most of the evening. At uh, this moment, he joined at the door, and uh, they're leaving together. Scott, you think that That's the...
3: Terrible. I don't understand what it is. Hello.
1: Uh, What's happening up it? there on the orchestra John Harden, he's I arguing with one of the violinists.
3: A musician. I won't take any more of it.
1: Look, look. He snatched the instrument out of his hand.
3: Go on, get out of here. You're not fit to fiddle in an Irish wake. I'll play you. The rest of you, go on, play
1: behaving like a madman. He's rushing after the musician and brandishing the violin as if he's he's going to brain him with it. Yes, Watson. That quarrel with the violinist was not a totally sane act. If the anonymous correspondent's motive is to undermine Harden's reason, he may be succeeding. Who has a motive? Might be the brother, Stephen. He's obviously jealous of the girl, and he probably is next in line for the Harden Millions. But I checked his alibi for last night. He was out of town.
3: Stop the music! Stop, hey! What the devil's wrong now? Holmes! Holmes,
1: where are you? Here I am, Mr. Harden.
3: Well, come with me at once. What's wrong, sir? It's Alicia. I found her in the corridor. She's been strangled. <laughs>
0: just a moment, we'll find out what happens next in the strange case of the persecuted millionaire. Hair specialists constantly advise us to take better care of the hair we've got. And men, don't forget that if you want your hair handsome and healthy looking, one of the first requirements is a hygienic scalp. So why settle for just any hairdressing when you can enjoy the extra advantages of this highly specialized cremal hair tonic? Kremel contains a unique combination of hair-grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair preparation. It keeps hair attractively groomed at all times, looking so neat and orderly. But Cremel does lots more than keep hair looking handsome. A Cremel massage stimulates circulation right in the surface of your scalp and leaves your scalp feeling so alive and invigorated, as fresh as a daisy. At the same time, Kremel removes dandruff flakes. It's excellent to lubricate a dry scalp. And if your hair is so dry that it breaks and falls when you comb it, Kremel actually helps condition the hair, in that it makes it feel softer, more pliable. So men, take better care of the hair you've got. Buy a bottle of Kremel at any drug counter. Ask for an application at your barber shop. Use Kremel daily for better groomed hair, for a more hygienic scalp. K R E M L, Kremel hair tonic. <laughs> Well, Dr. Watson, so the Honorable Alicia Edwards had been strangled at her engagement party. What happened next?
1: Well, I applied first aid, Mr. Bell, and found that the girl was not dead. We rushed her to the hospital, and a few hours later, we were able to talk to her, And uh, but we found that she could give us no clue. <clears throat> when we left the room, Harden was waiting for us in the corridor.
3: How is she? Is she going to be all right?
1: Oh, well, don't worry, Mr. Harden. She'll be all right, but she's... You had a very narrow escape.
3: But why attack her? Why not me? The
1: pattern becomes increasingly clear, Mr. Harden. Your enemy has struck at your fishing, your business, and now at your fiancé.
3: So every blow is at your wealth and position. And my sanity. Mr. Holmes, you've got to find out who's behind all this.
1: On the occasion of the mutilation of the fish, three people have the opportunity. Your brother Stephen is clear on the second attack, and on this last one, I think we may
3: reasonably assume that your fiancée did not strangle herself.
1: Yes, I'll wager my medical reputation on that
3: fact. And that means that only one person who was present on all three occasions was... No, you you can't mean... Your secretary, Miss Bates? Where is she?
1: In the waiting room. Splendid. Then Dr. Watson and I will take her back to Baker Street. I have an idea that she can be of invaluable help to us. A little more tea, Miss Bates.
2: No, thank you, Doctor Watson.
1: Then please go on with your story.
2: As I was saying, Mister Holmes, I've known John, Mister Harden, all my life. My father was the Harden coachman, and as I grew up, I thought John Vincent Harden was the most wonderful man in the world.
1: Well, I imagine that he was quite different then, my dear.
2: Very different. He was young and romantic, and he loved music. He took violin lessons, and it turned out that he was a prodigy.
1: I understand that he made his professional debut at the age of thirteen.
2: Yes, Mister Holmes, I was only a little girl then, but he used to tell me that he wasn't John Vincent Harden, the heir to the tobacco millions. He was Giovanni Vincenti, the great violinist.
1: Giovanni Vincenti, odd. Uh, pray continue, Miss Bates.
2: For five years, it seemed that he would be a great musician. Then. On his 18th birthday, his father gave him a lecture on his family obligations. Told him that it was his duty to go into the business. John broke his violin across his knee, Mr. Holmes, and... He's never played sit.
1: Miss Bates, I don't need to be a detective to deduce that, uh, that you love him.
2: Of course I do. Or at least I love Giovanni Vincenti. Then maybe he's still there. Somehow. Somewhere.
1: Of course. I've been an idiot. A numbskull. What do you mean, Holmes? The case is solved. Come, Miss Bates. We must return to Mr. Harden as fast as we can. I only hope we're not too late.
2: But why doesn't he answer? The servant said he locked himself in the study again.
1: The door's locked. I don't like the look of this. Come on, Watson. We'll break it in.
4: Once more.
2: Oh, look, he's lying trumpled over his desk. There's
1: a revolver beside him, Holmes. Oh, Miss Bates, please leave us. Oh. My friend's a doctor. He'll take care of him. He's only wounded. Yes, it's just grazed his scalp.
2: Oh, thank heavens. I'll be waiting outside.
1: Uh, obviously, this was attempted suicide. They finally succeeded in driving him mad. Did they? Read this, this note lying here. It's in the same handwriting as the other messages. I might try to fool another detective, but not you, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I admit I shot John Vincent Harden. I'm sure you'll have no difficulty discovering how I escaped from a locked room. Good Lord. You'll observe that the note was written and blotted on this desk. Watson, I'll see to getting Mr. Harden to bed and summoning his own doctor. I want you to return to Baker Street. To Baker Street? Why? Though the case is solved, I have some heavy thinking to do, and I must do it here. So be a good fellow and go back to our lodgings and get me two ounces of shag tobacco and, uh, my violin. How are you feeling now, Mr. Harden? Weak, Holmes.
3: But I'm all right.
1: You still can't remember anything, sir?
3: No, uh... I felt half out of my mind since that attack was made on Alicia. They told me she'd be all right. I. I do faintly remember coming home from the hospital and locking myself in the study. Oh, the rest is a blank. What did happen, Mr. Holmes?
1: I'll give you the complete answer very shortly, Mr. Harden. Come on, Watson. You're very well. Try and rest, Mr. Harden. You've been through quite an ordeal. I'll try, Doctor. I'll try. Holmes, you left your violin in Harden's room. Did you mean to? I meant to. And in the meanwhile, we must talk more seriously to Miss Bates. Oh, well, she's down here in the sitting room. Yes. Yes, yes I
3: have.
1: And Brother Stevens. Why I you would be uh... the first to know the good news, Margaret? And may we inquire what
4: the good news is, sir? Oh, didn't see you fellas coming down the stairs. Well, there's no reason why you shouldn't hear it, too. I've just come from the hospital. Alicia's broken off her engagement to John. She's going to marry me.
1: Indeed. My congratulations. Yes, sir, but I suggest you don't tell your brother the news. He's a very sick man.
4: Oh, I won't. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to celebrate.
1: From the sparkle in your eye, Miss Bates, I can see that you're just as excited as Stevens is.
2: Of course I am. But tell me, Mr. Holmes, have you found out who attacked John?
1: Yes, Miss Bates. At last, I know the name of Mr. John Vincent Harden's enemy. On the incident of the mutilated fish, you or Stephen or Alicia might have been guilty. On the stolen document, you or Alicia. And on the attack on that lady, you or Stephen, which seemed to leave only you.
2: But I was having tea with both of you in Baker Street
1: when John was shot. Precisely. As perfect an alibi as I've ever known. Then no one person was responsible. There must have been accomplices. No, Watson. Oh, sir? Remember another fact. The note, supposedly written after the attempted murder, was blotted at the very desk which the wounded man was slumped over. Isn't it clear? Frankly, no. The persecutor and the would-be murderer of John Vincent Harden is Giovanni Vincenti. (gasps) But they're one and the same man. Miss Bates told us so. They were the same man. But Hardin forced the dominant part of his character into annihilation. When he destroyed his violin, he thought he had destroyed Giovanni Vincenti. But his alter ego was still dormant. Yes. And after the shock of the riding accident in Rotten Row, Giovanni Vincenti emerged, hunting for revenge.
2: You mean that poor John really has a dual personality, Mr. Holmes?
1: Yes, my dear. No one person seemed to have the opportunity of committing all the attacks. But we left one person off our list. John Vincent Harden himself. But why, Holmes? For heaven's sake, why? Giovanni Vincenti struck at the fish, the document, and at the fiancé. All symbols of what Harden had gained for himself. Finally, he attacked Harden's life.
2: Oh. But, Mr. Holmes, what will happen now? He's out of his mind. They, they won't send him to an asylum, will they?
1: I think not, Miss Bates. There's a possibility that this second shock, this uh, self-inflicted wound on the skull, may cure him. Uh, Don't you agree, Watson? Yes, I do. It's just possible there'll be a complete reintegration of personality. Listen.
2: It's John, and he hasn't touched a violin for ages. So
1: that's why you left your violin in his room, Holmes. Exactly. Now, Giovanni Vincenti and John Vincent Harden... ...are again one man, one whole and sound man. I trust he may create a new life for himself. And I'm convinced that he has here the woman who will help him.
0: Ladies, you certainly must notice how men are attracted by bright shimmering highlights in a woman's hair... Then why not follow this beauty tip from the famous million dollar Powers models, girls noted for their glossy bright hair?
2: Powers models wash their hair with cremel shampoo. This amazingly beautifying cremel shampoo has been especially developed so that it actually glamor bathes each tiny strand of hair and uncovers all its natural radiant luster.
0: Yes, and cremel shampoo never dries the hair. In fact, it has a beneficial oil base, which helps keep the hair from becoming dry or brittle.
2: Its luxurious active foam thoroughly cleanses the hair and scalp and removes all loose
0: dandruff as well as the dirt. So ladies, buy a bottle of Kreml shampoo at any drug counter. See how easy it is to glamour bathe your hair to a vision of tantalizing loveliness, hair shimmering with natural brilliant luster. K-R-E-M-L Kreml Shampoo. Now, Doctor Watson, what about next week? Well, now let me see. Next week, I'll tell you about one of the most exciting adventures that Holmes
1: and I ever had. I call it the adventure of the haunted bagpipe.
0: Haunted bagpipe? Huh? Where did you hear them? In Edinburgh, Mister Bell,
1: in the same room with three naked corpses. Mm.
0: Sherlock Holmes adventure was suggested by an incident in Saratha Conan Doyle's story, The Solitary Cyclist. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight with original music composed and conducted by Alex Steinert. Nigel Bruce appeared by permission of California Pictures. Tom Conway through the courtesy of Eagle Lion Pictures. This is Joseph Bell speaking for Kremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo and inviting you to be with us next week at this same time when Dr. Watson will tell us about the adventure of the haunted bagpipes. This is Boy Scout Week. Let's all back our scouts and their theme, Scouts of the world, building for tomorrow. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.